When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Yes, yes. Welcome into the Tim McKernan Show from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. Today is January 18th, 2023. Alongside Jackson Burkett, I'm Timothy Michael McKernan. Thank you to our sponsors, Ryan Kelly, the HomeLoanExpert.com, James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency, Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies, Seth Goldcamp of Design Air Heating and Cooling, and Jamie Burkhard, Clayton Patterson, and Peter Munganast of Munganast St. Louis Acura. And Alton Toyota, now the presenting sponsor of Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. Action Jackson, tell me tell me the first thing that comes to mind when I say, what's the word? Just spit it out. There's no wrong answer. So I just looked. The oh, li- you got an answer. This oh, light yeah. doesn't do my thin hair any favors. But uh, I did. Well, how can you see it? Or do you see it in the mirror? Uh, the cameras that are not live, of course. Oh, but the cameras it. that uh, record this. Right, take a look at it. Yeah, it's. Uh, so it's, then I can see the back of your head. Yeah, it's not good. But I did just get some new shampoo and conditioner that's built for guys with hair like mine. Oh, I feel bad for you right now. But it's really what I did 20 years ago. But it's it's helping. You're being jerked off. Oh, it's not helping. It makes my hair look more full. It's it maybe not doing anything, but it puts on a facade. That's really, I mean, it's helping. Are you going to get a procedure? No, I'll never. You're do not. That. Not a procedure. Oh, I kind of thought you were. Not a procedure. You're going to take medication. I, I I'm open to taking medication. You've been I, saying that for a year. Are you taking medication? No, currently not. And you're uh, worried about not being able to get hard. Yeah, and then also there's some some mental health issues along. Oh, with, really? Yeah, some people have talked about depression and mood swings when they start taking that stuff. I stopped taking Propecia in 2006, and as weird as it sounds. I, when I'm asked biggest regret, that's one of the things that comes to mind. It's probably not, but it just stands out to me. Right, I heard you saying because it was it was because I had hair and it was holding on because of Propecia, and then it just kind of like it it changed. Not that you know things have worked out, but that like I don't want to go and do television because I I believe that my ceiling is reduced by not having hair, and I stand by that 100. percent Scott Van Pelt, outlier. Yeah. Yeah, see there's, what I'm saying. Yeah, there's some other guys, but it's right, like Ryan Rosillo is totally bald. Um, but he's not really on television no, as much. No, so it's, the game. The game's absolutely changed now because you can be on, and it's not even on television. You might not even want to be on television. You make more money not necessarily being on television. Um, but I, but but also, I suppose if I were in my 20s and single or 30s and single, I just don't think the bald thing. And I could be wrong, but I don't think the bald thing is as big of a deal as it was. But I understand when you you are the person dealing with it or feeling like you're dealing with it, that it 
it becomes a bigger deal because it did really wreck me when it, I started to lose my hair, like in, in the shower. Yeah, the clumps. Sigma Chi house, too, So uh. which means I lived in the house. So I didn't live in the house when I was a junior and senior. So I'm in the house. I mean, sophomore year. Yeah, um, it's tough. And I'm young for my class too, so I'm young, man. And I'm and I and I'm losing my hair. But it, it, so there's the there's the element of I thought about it more through the lens of a career mm-hmm. immediately, right? And I'd be curious if somebody's getting into this industry and they're starting to lose their hair. Like it, it's so rare to lose your hair when you're right around 20 years old. When did you start losing your hair? I noticed the hairline start to move back a little bit like my junior or senior year in college but now the hairline's holding pretty steady it's the crown now that's become yeah. a problem and so uh they actually have like drops that you put on that part of your oh i know all about this jackson i was doing this in 97 the, <laughs> on the crown uh because i believe propecia is more for the hairline itself whereas the drops are to help uh regenerate that hair in the crown area and that I'd be more open to because the hairline I'm not as concerned with. You can manipulate a hairline, but if you got if you got if you have a bald spot starts growing, it's tough. It's tough. But now I think also hats everywhere are way more acceptable. Like you wear a cap pretty much anywhere. Yeah, and that's still not the case doing television. I suppose like that kind right, of television right. I was doing, which was like local news. Which right, was, right. That would be weird if you just came off like so a little, little cardinal cap. cap. But I mean, I had a full head of hair. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a different. You've story. seen the video of me anchoring in Little Rock, and a great head of hair at that. I know. Yeah. Was it like it was like dark brown? Yeah. Yeah, it's a good look. Yeah. I it's... didn't. I didn't realize it because I never. I truly didn't look at myself this way. But I guess I was a little dish. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to retroactively. Go yeah. Back I, and well, it's, that. it's miserable. <laughs> it's it's actually miserable because I just didn't look at myself that way. Yeah. But uh, I was starting to become more of the cocky prick that I am now <laughs> and that is for whatever reason attractive to a lot of women <laughs> I have no idea why feel badly for women who are attracted to it but uh that so then you combine that with a decent appearance now the height thing always problematic but I was completely oblivious to the height thing past even the time I was uh married so I mean I started to learn a little bit about it it's a real thing. Like you can, let's say, best looking guy go in the world. Just to whoever. I mean, yeah. I mean, I always go Billy D. Williams. But who are you going with? Uh, Miles Teller's hot right now. Wow. All right. Let's say Miles Teller is five seven, and I assume he's over six feet tall. I don't. Yeah, he's probably about six feet. Okay. Miles Teller is five seven, and who is in? And we say this respectfully unattractive but well-known person uh steve buscemi steve oh boy of well, relative same as steve buscemi i think's in his 60s so i don't know if that's fair <laughs> yeah uh I th- not very many well-known not very attractive people um uh oh boy okay Just picture whoever you're picturing audience member it's in the eye of the beholder and then put that person at six two to six four right and 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 I and listen, I had no idea, but it's a thing, and I don't get. I, I'm not in the slightest bit mad about it, in any because you can't control it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. So it's like it's, it's like okay, whatever. You want to make fun of my height? Like, hey, listen, I agree with you, it, and I'm the one living it. So fuck, it sucks. At the same time, I've done pretty well <laughs> despite the thing. Yeah. So I and I'm talking about with with uh, you know lasses. 
But again, that is only because I lack self-awareness that I should not be talking to the women I was talking to. And, and therefore, while I was not given height by the deity of your choice, mm-hmm. that deity or deities, depending on if you're into the poly, sure, poly sure. gods, mm-hmm. and I know a lot of our podcast listeners are. About 30%. 30% are into the poly gods, uh, Greek gods, I think specifically, that, uh, the, the, that these poly gods, they didn't give me the height, but they said, we're going to make him completely ignorant of the fact that this height thing means women will be even <laughs> less attracted to him. Right. I'm telling you, if I was aware of that, I wonder what I'd be doing. But the thing is, you're not like you're you're not that short. Like you are, you're not you're not tall. But like you're not like shot. Like I have a friend who's shockingly short. Not, Gareth. No, he's like over five feet, but not by much. Really. So it's that's, like that's really tough. right. That's where it's like you're like actually like people notice it. Whereas you're just like, oh yeah, it's just a guy. I guess but he's a little so what short. I'm saying, I, I and I get that. I, I I'm probably closer to average, but right. we just play it up on the show, of and, course. Because I'll be around guys like who been like the cat. He's like my height, right? But then you talk about my. I go, what the fuck? What you, <laughs> but I was like, I'm not gonna bother with it because right, I'm right. going. Clearly, he must know. And Iggy, like it, I'm actually taller. You are taller. But than but, Iggy. but it, it was, again, it's like we're gonna win the you know NL Central. It's, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's not anything you want to brag about. Sure. But my height's the one that gets focused. Fine, I don't fucking care. What I'm talking about is there. You have an awareness of who you can be approaching to mm. shoot your shot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And there are different categories. You know what I mean? A categories or a caste system of some kind. Sure, I know. It's, yeah. It's... And I, because of my lack of self-awareness, would go fishing in waters that I didn't belong in. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. And if I had the awareness that I have now in my 20s, it... it Maybe it would have been bad. I don't know. I mean, it, it wound up being good for me, bad for them. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Although they, you know, they had to choose. But but still, I look back on it, and I go, "What in the hell was I doing?" You know, I mean, I would not like now. I'd just be like, "Yeah, it, it, I I am aware that you, as an attractive woman, even if I'm taller than you, and I'm taller than plenty of women." Sure. But you can get, and you also biochemically want gentlemen who are at least 5'10", probably over six feet tall, and I am not that. So to me, the height thing is a real thing. It's not even to me. It is a real thing. I don't think that's up for debate. It, it's it's not for every woman, mm-hmm. but for most, and in you, it's very rare to find the outlier situation. Otherwise, it wouldn't be an outlier. The the bald thing, which I understand being in your kitchen and being something you think about, um, I just don't think it's as big of a deal. I think it was a bigger deal when guys weren't shaving their heads. Bruce Willis should be canonized for those of us who experienced male pattern baldness because for the whites, for the whites... Bruce Willis shaving his head made it, I don't know necessarily cool, but made it... Normalized it. It normalized it, and and also because of his personality, Yeah, yeah. it was like, oh, this is kind of hot. Like, I actually, I received oral one time from a lass in a car because she was attracted to me because of my shaved head. Wow. Yeah. How do you like that? Yeah, yeah and I by think- the way, I'd like to tip my cap 
Very good. Nice. Very good. Nice. Very good. Wherever she is, I hope you're listening. Yeah. And uh, tip of the cap. Yeah. Um, I think that if you have, it's like either you have a head of hair or you shave it all the way. I think those two are acceptable. It's like the ones who are hanging on. Right. And it's like so, kind but, of but patchy. here's the thing: you're kind of getting into that category. I'm. I'm still. I can. I'll still, tell you what you are. <laughs> I can still. I can still hold on for. Now. I know, but. There's going to come a point that you're either going to have to go hair transplant, restoration, whatever the top, whatever the name it's called, or shave it. Mm-hmm. And I'll do that when I'm good and ready. <laughs> I know. I, I, I think it's like so with me. I was about to get on a flight to Vancouver. I wonder if this business is still around. Let me look at this, Jackson. Let me get to the bottom of this. It's a live read for a hair transplant company in Vancouver. (laughs) That's that's how big the podcast is. Yeah, they're still around. And the research I did, this place was the absolute best. Now, Joe Buck, who is now uh, open uh, about it. Yeah, these guys are still going. Uh, Hassan and Wong. Hassan Hassan and Wong. Wong. Here, you want to take a look at them? They, I didn't see there. They're the boys. Oh, hello, friends. Hello, friends. Yeah, they. I was. I had a flight through Minneapolis to Vancouver, and I was going. To Hassan and Wong. To Hassan and Wong. Literally the next morning. Literally the next morning. And it it had to be around 2007 because I was about to move to New York to anchor. And I would have had, I would have, you're fresh off a hair transplant. You have like all of the little scabs. And then like across the back of your skull. The huge Like type in Jamie Foxx and type in Jeremy Piven. And and the people theorize on LeBron, right? Braun and Brady too. Tom Brady? Oh, oh yeah. really? Oh yeah. But, oh. but they don't have a scar on it. You wouldn't see the scar. No, you would never do. Okay, because get... his hair has always been really. Well, I mean, make sense. yeah, Brady's definitely had stuff done. Hey, God bless. Yeah. I don't think people necessarily look down on it. That's no. the, that's another thing. No. Kind of in my time, but if I would have gone up there and all of a sudden I'm angry, even if it would have been in St. Louis, it'd be brutal. But I'm the new guy and I look like a chia pet. <laughs> yeah, you and I'm like... I mean, what would they have done? I show up there. And I look like like Pinhead. <laughs> Holy shit! Yeah, that would that have been. T- I don't oh think the makeup God. department. I mean, the fact that. that I didn't get, go on that trip, I canceled it like the night before. Holy shit! Oh my God! Like the, like what that saved me from mm-hmm. the embarrassment. And I remember money. when I was about to go up there, somebody I don't recall who it was. It wasn't. But either way, said, hey, just so you know, there are six media critics in this town and they will be judging you since you'll be this, you know, the anchor on this show every night after Mets games. So just be ready for it. Can you imagine I debut on SNY and I have holes all over my head for my hair transplants? <laughs> and then six months later, I suddenly have a full head of hair. Like, who's that guy on FS1 who yells about shit? What's his name? Nick Wright. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And hey, good for you. If it makes you feel better, right. I'm all for it. Like like the filler phenomenon. Yeah. I, I I I think it's done more for women, other women, than it is for guys. Yeah, oh yeah. I would think the same thing. But if it makes you feel better, then great. It doesn't impact me in any way. For you, I feel like it's something... I, I, I'm overstating when I say it bothers you. I think you have a, a different perspective on it than I did because I was in my college years and I was like, holy shit, this is the career I'm choosing and this is going to negatively impact my career. Mm-hmm. You're a single gentleman and then also you don't know how you'll necessarily look with the shaved head. Oh, I can't imagine very good. 
But nobody, I mean, who thinks, who thinks no, it would no, you're look right, good? you're right. You know right. what I mean? Yeah, you're totally right. No one thinks it. And then, and then eventually, it's like Anna Marie has never known me with hair, and she'll see pictures, and she'll say, oh, I like you better with that. And I don't think she does. I just think she's being polite. Because but she's no, so used to it. That's you know? what it is. She's so used to it. It'd be, like, wild for you to have, like, what? Right, if I showed up home, today. That would be great, yeah, though. Like a perm. <laughs> like to put a GoPro <laughs> on you and just do that real quick. <laughs> so I... I I, I think that I think I I see it, and then I saw you sent me a link about Urlacher suing the one Brian. Oh, Ur- yeah. To me, Brian Urlacher was one who did it, yeah. And I didn't understand why, because he was one. It's like if Bruce Willis would have done it, he yeah. had everything going, and it was like his look. And he's a badass middle linebacker for the Chicago Bears. He doesn't need it, and then he kind of looks like Kevin James from King of Queens. He just got like kind of like the dad haircut. It's not. It doesn't. It, it was no. There was no improvement. And anytime you it drive into Chicago, back. you drive into Chicago, there would be four hundred billboards for Erlacher's hair transplant oh thing. God. And, and I was. I, was like, I wonder why he did that. So, I would, if it. I don't know how you look with the shaved head either. I have no idea. But I mean, I got a weird fucking head. Yeah. The thing. The thing that I think helps the cause, and this is the thing that you m- might struggle with, is you. You don't have. You can't. The, the facial hair. That's a big problem. The facial hair. Thing. And I'm pale, so, so I will, I will look. So that's the. That's I will the, look like a monster. That's the. T- I don't know, monster. But then you're like, you know. If I can grow a beard, I'd be much more comfortable shaving. Yeah. If I could grow a beard, I'd be like totally cool with it, and I'd understand and figure it out. But. But you got to go into the prevent defense mode now. Yeah, I can still come you, over. You really do. Longer. I got. Would you consider yourself having a comb over? I don't necessarily call it. No, a comb no. Over. I slick it back to a good extent, so yeah. it kind of covers up, and I can show off the. I'm fine showing off the hair. Like line. the St. Louis starter pack for groomsmen and Ladue weddings that you created a couple weeks ago. Right. Yeah, that was another one I cooked up. Um, but I, I, I think <laughs> I'm gonna... the hairstyle of every groomsman in Ladue wedding. It's so St. Louis starter pack. I need to have. The actual person who does that on the podcast. Hundred, the, the Sportsman's For Park one was one of the, that made me laugh <laughs> so fucking hard. We're talking about the Instagram account. Major recommendation. Yeah, for, for real. The, that the, and Ella Reese make Instagram. And Ella Reese, by the way. all you'll to, see in your feed. God. Ella Reese and St. Louis Stars. Talk back. about fillers. That's bad, dude. I I, I just don't. She's such a naturally beautiful person. It becomes an addiction. It's like. Like sick. Joe, though, talks about got addicted to hair transplants. Yeah. Yeah, but I but like that like is like hair is something that is like standard. Like people have hair. The lips thing, you, you people don't look like that. Like people don't look at all like that. It's so clearly fake, and it ruined. It just like looks almost like you were like playing dress up as a kid, <laughs> and you just pounded lipstick on there. That's what it looks like. I don't, I don't know what the hell to make. I, I really, it, it, we will look back. In less than a decade, on 2023 social media and how it currently exists, I believe that there will be some kind of correction. I don't know what will happen. I think it will have to be something just absolutely mind-blowing that will be negative that leads to a correction. Um, And the filler phenomenon, not necessarily on the same level of importance. Right, but definitely 1A. <laughs> but 1A. But, like, so I get ass implants. Go, what the fuck was that about? Yeah. You know? Right, totally. I like, get... Doug, Doug talks about, like, if you look at pictures of women in the 1920s like, and 30s, you can't tell the difference between any of them. 
And 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 they yeah, all kind of yeah. he calls it the Zoftig look. We're <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> all kind of heavy, yeah. and that was like the thing. Full body, yeah. that's how I and, describe it. And and all looked exactly the same. Yeah, yeah, and it kind of went into that. But that's what I notice now. Now that I am for real, I can't tell you enough how much I enjoy TikTok. I love. <laughs> TikTok. It's crazy. I love TikTok. Yeah, it's kind of like And Anna Marie immediately media. assumes that what my TikTok is is what I assumed TikTok was before I, you know, which is moms dancing yeah. and looking for likes while they kill time until the kids get home. That That's that's what my, you know, they're drinking wine during the day. Yeah. That's what I assume, you know, and, you know, banging the trainer, whatever's going on. That's that's what I thought TikTok was. I didn't understand how it was so successful. There's certainly that corner, um, <laughs> but, but it's so it's, much more. Oh my god, that's the thing. And so I said, and I'm like, here, I'll show you what comes up. And I'm like, boy, th- this is kind of a high risk play because <laughs> yeah, about one out of ten is yeah. you know. But she already knows what my song and dance is, and I can't. I think it's. I think it's wonderful. Yeah. I, I can't get enough. I can't get enough of it. As a matter yeah. of fact, why the fuck did I bring up TikTok? You'll have to. You'll have, it's like Hansel and Gretel. We got to yeah. leave breadcrumbs, breadcrumbs to get back to the topic. Oh, the that good-looking team. women. Yeah, they all are starting to look the same. Yeah. the fuck's going on? Is anybody out to see this? They oh, yeah. all look the same. It's the Kardashian thing. It's modeled after the Kardashian. Kind of like how like mighty guys just like like white guys especially like would follow like what David Beckham would do. Well, that's still going on with the hairstyle. I mean, sure, but like that parts of the St. Louis area. But that's like kind of been like widely used now. But like women, like it's almost like the Kardashians do it, and five years later, everyone kind of does the same. Not yeah, you're right, but people do the same hey, thing. It looks. I mean, everybody. I'm just going. I mean, again, I am so detached mm-hmm. so i can observe this from the bleachers and just kind of go wow what the fuck i'm just glad i'm not involved in it mm-hmm. and even if i were single like i said i will be the guy who will occasionally bang the bartender and then otherwise i'll be on golf trips in las vegas and yeah. playing poker and content as all get. I, I, I won't be like man i really gotta find somebody so i am observing this in past tense yeah and going this is this is phenomenal. And I don't know if people 20 years ago were observing us in our 20s. I would assume because I think everybody does it. Yeah. But I don't know what they would have observed about us in our 20s 20 years ago that was much different for them when they were in their 20s in the 80s, for example, if you see what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I, so that's I, 03. So, like, whenever I think of that, I, I think of, like, the first season of Entourage where everyone is dressed so weird. Like... I feel like there was a time between the 90s and the 2010s where people wore, guys wore really baggy, long cargo shorts, but then really small t-shirts and like goofy, like trucker hats with flip-flops everywhere. And girls wore the mini skirts that were weight and then like the tight, skin tight with the little purse. I, I just don't get it. Like, I don't, I was like, what? Are, what we, part? are we currently in the big purse era? Big purse, yeah. This is big purse right now? Tight pants. Big T-shirts, so it's kind of like the inverse of the early 2000s, where it was baggy pants and cargo shorts with tiny T-shirts. Yeah, like so. I big so t-shirts the, and what pants. I've noticed also with guys who are in their 20s, they're wearing like pants that expose the legs slash socks. You, do you have it going on right now? Yeah, Shows how much I'm paying attention. These Mugsy joggers, yeah. You got that's Mugsy the, on That's the library. look. That's the look. Is the yeah. And hey, God bless. Like I said, I. It's. It, it, we, I think we were talking about it on Balloon Party just yeah, an yeah. hour ago. Adapt or die. I don't know what we were talking about to get to yeah, that. 
think it was your uh, your long-winded uh, answer about Long-winded. Uh, Go fuck yourself. Long-winded. I bet that was captivating radio. Long-winded. You're out of line. Long-winded. I've never been, been, been angrier than I am right now. <laughs> that might have been wrong. It was a, certainly an intense uh, answer when I asked about the in-game interviews. Oh, because it's it's it sets people up to fail, so yeah. I do feel strongly about yeah, it. Yeah. It, and it's so, I mean, I could go into, I, 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 there, there's going to come a point where I'm just going to be like, this is what's going to get me fired. This is what's going to be canceled. And I kind of, it's a kamikaze mission. Like it's going to take care of like this decision that I feel like is in the back of my mind anyway, that I just kind of want to move. Right. And so I'll go, okay, I'll take myself out, but I'm going to go out in a blaze of glory yeah. and just say a few things. Get about, your money's worth. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, yeah. But I've, I've looked at, it and I go, nobody wants to be doing this. The sideline interviews. God, yeah. The coaches don't. I guess the broadcasters do because it's a job. Yeah. But it's so uninsightful, you know, and then occasionally they'll get a little nugget and they start telling the story, but the story's 60 seconds and now it's covering a couple of plays in the game and there's action going on and then the play-by-play guy has to jump in and then this thing, you know, that you worked on in between games at seven days, is it's forgotten and it's gone into the abyss. And by the way, nobody goes, hey, let's go back down to whomever to finish that story. Why? Because nobody fucking cares. No, and that's just the truth. And our industry is just, you know, either have an impact on the bottom line or you have a hobby. Have an impact on the bottom line or you have a hobby. Yeah. I remember in the last year's college football playoff game, it was, of course, Georgia versus Alabama. And I was, they had two different sideline reporters doing in game interviews. And I would just like to have been a fly on the wall of who got, who, who had to go with Saban and who had to go with Kirby Smart. Because <laughs> obviously you'd choose Kirby Smart on the in game <laughs> interview over Saban. I imagine them flipping a coin like, son of a bitch, oh, I got to Saban. Yeah, the sideline interview thing is oh, just it's brutal. It's brutal. And then it's like, who, who are people mad at? Oh, Harbaugh, I guess. John uh, Harbaugh. Calipari, too. Yeah. Calipari. Yeah. It's like you just have to take yourself into, I mean, you are in the middle of fighting for your, it could be in Harbaugh's case, fighting for your job. No doubt. And you got that offense, you know, and now you got to answer, what do you think of that penalty, you know? But at the same, here's the thing with Melissa Stark, who's, you know, a pro, what do you you add? And in every interview after a win, Brian Curtis of The Ringer, who I follow in the Twitter tweets. Good follow. Uh, he will immediately tell us how that win felt. You know, it's just like, who in the world could not do this job? It is so absolutely replaceable. Oh, yeah. yeah. So then you're hired based on your appearance, almost without fail. So, I mean, but, but like, if, if one were to say that, then it's, then it's like, oh, hold on a second. Oh, but, I mean, that, but that's it. Right. And then people who get jobs in television in general, it's it's certainly an appearance-based business. Yeah. And as I said at the outset, I was a little dish. Didn't even realize I was a little dish. A little dish. But I remember I would send my, at the time, VHS tape around, and people would tell me, oh, you you have, you have check all the boxes. You're the total package. And I go, you base that on me sending my sportscast from Columbia, but I guess it's because of an appearance thing. Yeah. So, so But then you can't tell me that the most qualified journalists are the people who look the best. That's like that's the perfect storm, and that happens so rarely. In, in other words, sure. would Walter Cronkite have gotten hired in 2023? Yeah, that's a good question. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, that's a really good question. So it becomes who can put on the best show of you know lying to the people in their respective bubble, and then who who looks the best? Yeah, and then once you reach that 
the, and then there you go. Confluence. Then right. You got that, your and, that, and that's the game. Yeah. And, and I'm just going, oh, and, 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 and now you're going to actually believe this shit that they're spewing. Yeah. That's ba- and, their, and their success is justified only on by how many people will watch it. Right. Well, if you're going to report, who's going to watch that? If you're going to hyperbolize, that's where you're going to get the people to watch. So that's why I feel so – very few topics – they can get. That's why when I saw for your little piddles uh, Wednesday business thank newsletter, you, thank you. <laughs> I'm like, this is the stuff that gets me going, but it gets me going not because of the sports business element of it, because in the whole scheme of things, what does that really matter? Right. It gets me going because I believe the reason why the country and I suppose the world, but I'm not necessarily locked in globally, is in the spot it's in is because of obvious reasons. So much of it having to do with social media, and bullshit just just straight up bullshit that it frustrates me when i see it play out and it's not necessarily called out mm-hmm. because it people actually take the things seriously that are act that are actually in reality theater yeah and 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 done for social media and then therefore truth becomes fiction and opinion becomes truth and you have what you've had over the last few years. And so that's why it, it legitimately bothers me. And I know you're not in on every sound story, but you've been in on a few. Oh, you have yeah. one of your own coming up here. Um, but Plowhawk is, and I don't know how, I mean, of however many I've done at this point, it's approaching 200, um, where I ask them, you know, one of the questions is, tell me what has changed in your lifetime for the better and tell me what changed in your life for the worse. And my God, I would say, at least 75%, I'd say probably closer to 90%, they bring up social media. Right. To some degree. You know, yeah, maybe absolutely. Not, maybe not the sole thing, but certainly a, a absolutely. part of it. Yeah, and I so I, I just feel really strongly about it. And I know I've said it before. Say it again. I cannot wait. I cannot wait until I can delete my social media accounts. Oh. I cannot Oh, do you, do you feel the same way? I like Twitter for sports updates and stuff like that, and it's good to have. But, like, I never tweet, and I see it, and it makes, like, I don't feel better after getting off Twitter. Right. Like, I never, it does, whereas, like, TikTok, I sometimes do feel better getting off of it. Um, yeah, 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 I suppose there. But, I mean, I don't do anything on TikTok. Right, of course. It's not like me creating content, but, like, me, like, watching stuff that I enjoy based on my algorithm. I right. Like. But it's kind of one of these things that's at least, it, it, again, I think it's dogma. It's broadcast dogma that is a necessary evil, and I just don't believe that that's the case. Right. Uh, I, but but I mean I would I would be happy to have like if KG and O Town were here right now and he had a camera up for you and a camera up for me and then he took a two minute clip of our conversation and then put that out of my TikTok account and he edited it together. Different story. I'm all for that. Right. But like spewing out a take, you know, or doing the little dance number. Oh well, I mean that's a whole other deal. But like for for our industry, yeah, like right, like right, okay, right. The, the Blues are playing and they lost, so therefore I've got to like shit on somebody. You know, no as good. opposed to go, well, you know, actually they outplayed him, but that was a bad bounce on the, you know, I mean, whatever. And the, the Cardinals, well, you know, realize Mazalak communicates in a way that doesn't really relate well to the fan base. But what he's saying, I follow what he's saying. I mean, go, go fuck yourself, you know. But then it's like people using burners, so we're not on the same. It's just. The death of nuance, Tim. The death of nuance. Uh, the, and the birth of the tough guy with the anonymous name. Yeah, that. That so it's especially. it's the outlet for those who have had a, you know, not for everybody by any means. I mean, shit. But, you know, if you're angry on social media, there is a correlation to. Yeah, something in your personal life that's gone awry. Or, more often than not. Yeah. Or you're, or you're performing the theater for 
for the business model or to fill the void with likes. Yeah. And and that I suppose that will be that's an that's an opinion that will of course be unpopular where on social media. <laughs> but again, I'm kind of enjoying this. I've reached the point where I don't give a fuck stage because I would rather call attention to it because I think it hurts I think it hurts whether it hurts individuals or it hurts a, a, a socioeconomic um lack of development uh certainly politics my god and I also don't think I don't necessarily think you're going to put the genie back in the bottle but I think there will be a point where where what goes on now and people look back on it kind of like how people you know like uh, athletes were doing spots for cigarettes. Mm-hmm. Go, God, can you believe that that shit went on? Right. Or that there were cigarette ads everywhere. Right. Yeah. Or take your pick of, you know, when you watch Mad Men and Don Draper's, you know, drinking scotch at, you know, two in the afternoon and yeah. hitting on everybody in the office and sleeping with everybody in the office. I think that's how social media at this moment will be looked on. 10, 20 years from now. At least I hope so, because if not, I don't, it's just, it's... Right, that would just get worse. Right. So I feel that that's why that topic gets me going, because I, I trace... Comparisons, yeah. Well, I, tra- I trace so many of the problems now back to it. I, th- I think it really goes back to the more the mid-1990s, and then I think social media was the gasoline on the fire 13, 14 years later. That's my, that's my mass right. communications theory on it and so I, I just like to call attention to it and if people don't agree with me they don't agree with me but I feel like I'd be disingenuous if I were to act like I don't see it as a major issue and and I value so much the sound story interviews because it's it's like a review on life and it's so honest mm-hmm. um, and and I don't know how many times people have said oh the social media or the or the divisiveness i think i think there's a, th- a um a perception from younger people that you know people in their 70s 80s 90s are you know all ex-clan members and one of the things and i, I would say i wouldn't necessarily all ex-clan members but you know would use some terms that you know if they were if this were live on the air i'd go oh shit we're gonna have to you know dump right, out right, of that right, right right and that is if anything it has been the opposite uh-huh of that, um, that they talk about. It's been great to see things that were going on when I was growing up are, you know, have improved yeah, so much. Definitely. Um, and, that, and that's not with my, me trying to insert that in there. I ask, what is the difference? Yeah. And these are their own observations. Themselves, so yeah. from a positive standpoint, that's what they observe. From a negative standpoint, almost without fail, for real. I mean, at the, the minimum three out of four times, but I think it's closer than that, they bring up social media. And I don't think people would have brought it up when it was like the MySpace era. Sure. You know what I mean? Right. Which I've always kind of thought that like this stuff was always out there. Like people had this. It just manifested itself because social media became the vehicle for it. You know, there was no forum for a long time for people to either spew, hate immediately or, you know, troll people and stuff. But now that you have social media and you can create an account with under in under 60 seconds and start doing that, it gives people that outlet for something that's either been built up for years or is just part of their DNA, and now everyone can see it. It gives right. everybody a microphone. But what what has changed, and this is where the proverbial mainstream media, as it's called, um, 
has amplified it is by then citing reaction online. Right, giving it credence. Yeah, right. It gives it credibility. I mean, message boards and Reddit, you don't use them as sources. No. I mean, like, if I, God, it'd be great if I went back and anchored on KMOV for a few nights. I mean, for many great, reasons. <laughs> great being relative, not for me, but for. I'd be tuned in. That'd you know, be great. Like, I show Missouri highlights, Missouri, Arkansas playing tonight. Uh, Tigers, one and a half point favorite. And, you know, get done running a Dennis Gates soundbite. Let's say they lose, and I pull up, and here's what they're saying on Tiger Board. <laughs> <laughs> here's gabe's mentions and just and somehow that's like that's what yeah it's like that's totally so like many that's so many articles, mainstream media man. outlets is the reaction on twitter oh my god the articles i'll read because i read a lot of articles yeah, for you read the a links. lot of garbage for the tma links yeah and exactly so i live in the in the yeah. filth and uh so many times it's like out you know, backlash online or like right. source tweets of people and now when well, do people go online and talk about something positively no ne- almost never but there are certain things that are people who somehow become invincible don corleone so to speak in on social media right like the lavar burton to jeopardy thing is is i'm i'm there's family feud and you're giving me things that are social media um you know, like bait plays. Right. Uh, you know, in St. Louis, Yachty or Molina could do no wrong. Yeah. You tweets out something about Yachty, you got your likes. Uh, Stan Kroenke, automatic like bait if you shit on him. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think more nationally What who is, you know. Barkley's always. Betty invincible. White became in, in that way. Yeah. It's like, I mean, she's been around forever. You know, I mean. Yeah, I mean a delight. I think she's. I think she's internally a little confused by why. Not because she's confused because she's older, but because she's like, you know, what the fuck? I mean, I've been yeah. doing this since like the forties. You know, um, yeah, Barkley, I suppose. Oh yeah, uh, who's uh, Jason Sudeikis? He's kind of now. Yeah, that's, yeah, you become. He's, he's become Ted. But my point being, who goes on social media to tweet out something? Right, it's like who leaves a Relpy view for a restaurant who had a great meal. Right. Unless it's a family member of somebody involved in the restaurant, so I just—that's why that topic gets me going. Just because I want to call attention to it, because it's kind—it's one of the only things that I have been behind the scenes on, Mm -hmm. and I know, and I feel like our industry—not necessarily this stupid shit that we do with TMA or Balloon Party or this podcast—but our industry, the media, has played essentially cause and effect on what we have seen with regards to um, certainly misinformation because it's profitable um, opinions that people don't really feel but they recognize that it's profitable politicians who don't believe the shit that they say in the slightest uh, and privately would say oh the shit that I'm saying it's dumb (laughs) but it works Uh, our industry has done that and then social media is the gasoline on the fire and so that's why I look at it and I feel so strongly about it. Otherwise, you know, if somebody were to text in something, you know, bitching about John Mazalock or, you know, Doug Armstrong or whatever the, the, the topic would be, I'd be like, yeah, you know, I get it. And I either can agree or disagree, but it's not going to really get me worked up. Right. This gets me worked up, not necessarily because I'm really worked up about sideline interviews. I don't give a shit. It's speaking to the bigger issue of media and how media has played a role in things that actually matter as opposed to, like, you know, Kirby Smart, would you like in the first half? You know, or tell me how it feels to win the national championship. That's right. right. But it, it speaks to 
the stupidity, the dishonesty, and then how it impacts things that actually matter, and it matters to people's lives. That's that's why it gets me worked up. I couldn't find a sideline reporter who gives a fuck, you know. Right. But the, the business of our business um, can be really gross, and our business, I think, is you know, number one when it comes to culpability for the shit that's gone over the last quarter, quarter century. Do you think that, and this is, uh, I rewatched the newsroom like last year. I did uh, too. Yeah. I remember you and I would talk about this. Um, and I think they brought up a really interesting point right at the beginning. Do you think all this happened when that rule was lifted that you couldn't monetize one hour of the news where one hour of broadcast news had to be, you couldn't monetize it, it has to be straight news and you couldn't make any profit off of it. And then they changed that rule where you could profit off news 24-7, which led to people, you know, CNN and Fox News that were created after that. Cause I, don't, I honestly don't know. Okay. I trace it back to Fox News and its surge in the mid-1990s. But I want to be crystal clear on this because I'm sure conservatives are going, fuck you, you're blaming it. I'm not. I'm not blaming it on Fox News. What it, what it turned into was either a take-your-pick-up reaction to a feeling that everything was being put out and it was coloring positively for liberals mm-hmm. slash Democrats, or it was, a, oh, we see an opportunity here because Rush Limbaugh was surging. Uh, he had a television show. I remember that popping up late at night. It would be him on the radio, right? That was. Uh, I, I think the television show was separate from the radio. Okay, got it. And then it then it became just a like you know, Dan Patrick, yeah, yeah, like what we have going. Yeah, with, sure. Uh, you know, minus you know fifty million people uh, watching on YouTube, it would just be a you know, simulcast. Yeah, there you go. That's what I'm. So it was. So it became a business model. I think CNN saw. Oh well, we can. We, we, we saw what they did with Obama from 2008 through 2016. We are going to apply the same thing to Trump. And and then, it, oddly enough, I remember this is what caught my eye in 2008, and it just became a phenomenon. Pivotal moment in American history and American politics and American media also. And, and, it, and now probably sounds kind of, it would be considered a joke. I thought it was a joke then. But now, if it, most even conservatives, I think, would think of a joke. Sarah Palin, I'm sure John McCain regrets that one. Mm-hmm. I also understand the, the thought process behind it. It normalized ignorance. Yeah. Um, getting into, getting a ticket into the luxury suite, so to speak. But then from a media standpoint, which is where I'm focused on it, CNN saw the fascination with her. And even years after the 2008 election, you could go to CNN.com, and I don't want to say daily, but more than one time a week, there would be a Sarah Palin story because they saw that that's what got people people going. going. So for Fox News, like Barack Obama, Barack Obama, Barack Obama. You know, now it's Joe Biden, Joe Biden, Joe Biden. CNN sees the playbook. They execute it with Trump. And it just turns into we're going to create whatever narrative regarding this person that you don't like. And we will we will feed you until you can't take any more. Right. Because it's a profitable business model. Exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, from a sports standpoint, 
Uh, Edmonds told me one time he went up and I guess it was an audition at ESPN and uh, they asked him something during the audition. He goes, well, you know, I can see it this way. But then he said, no, no, you got to have a, you got to have an opinion. He goes, but I don't necessarily because I can see it. And I go, no, you got to, and it's just that you got to literally have a take, take a stand. Hence the name, take a stand. And therefore, it's disingenuous. There's no possible way Dan Orlovsky feels that strongly about every topic. It's just not. It's just not. It's just not possible yeah, for the really human body. Possible, yeah. But it's. But it, that's that's the game, and I don't know. I just. It's one of those things that it truly bothers me because it's so it's so obvious to me because I'm in it, but. And so that bothers me. I think what bothers me more, though, is how it's not obvious to the people who aren't in it. Mm-hmm. And therefore, it's working. It's obviously working. And people still. I, like, a perfect one. It's one of the strangest things. The Doug Vaughn is returning to Camel V. Cobb. Completely <laughs> false. Right. Like, period. Yeah. There's, there's not a... Doug's in this weird spot. Because I don't even know. It's not my place to say. It's not like anything all that interesting, you know. But but he's not going to like you know go out of his way to. So he just does what Doug does and just kind of plays along with it. Yeah. So here I am. I sit with this man every day for three hours, and have since 2007. And I'm just doing my usual reading at 4:30 in the morning with with my coffee, and I read a headline: Doug Vaughn returning to KMOV to anchor, and I'm going. Oh shit! <laughs> kind of surprised you didn't say anything, but whatever. Me, I mean, yeah. Doesn't affect doesn't affect me. Right. I'm happy for Doug, I guess. I don't know. I th- I kind of thought he hated it, but <laughs> <laughs> but, but whatever, right, <laughs> you know. Right. Uh, and, and I think there. I think there. I, well, I'll tell you. When we talk about narratives, narratives on what people are making. Uh, that'd be that'd be an eye opening piece. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, that. I, you know, I remember coming in that day, and I go, I didn't know you were going back into TV. He goes, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I go, well, then what the fuck? You know, like, how's it, why is it, like, just, like, blatantly, yeah, like, it's... what in the world? And I don't know how many people, Jackson, for real, said to me, including my parents, oh, Doug's going back to TV. And, I, and then I'd be in this weird spot, and I would just go, yeah, I'm happy. I should have just gone, yeah, I'm happy for him. Right. And not go, well, you know, he doesn't really like it and didn't really like it when I was working with him 20 years ago. And, <laughs> you know, he's actually really not going back, but, you know, shit gets written about, and, you know, you just kind of have to deal with it. People, if it's in, people believe it. And I, and I don't want to say people because then it's third person as if I'm above it. I read and I believe. Right. And so I have to catch myself sometimes. Like, I'm sure I have spewed hypocrisy in the course of this conversation, which I am not aware of. But but again, when it's when it's you and you know it, then you want to call attention to it. And so it kind of becomes a thing. I saw Brady interviewed after the Buccaneers lost to the Cowboys a couple nights ago. And somebody asked him about something, you know, and in his future. And he goes, yeah, he goes, I don't he goes, I know the truth, and I know I haven't made a decision, but I also know you guys have to write every day, and so you have to fill those stories. And he's just kind of like, he was a defeated man, yeah. knowing there's nothing he can do about it, and so what do you do? You just, you withdraw. Yeah. And, it, and in a sense, well, not in a sense, it is a shame. I'll find this. 
I wanted to hear, I think, what's going on with uh, President Biden and the classified files that he has off campus, <laughs> considering what was going on with President Trump and Mar-a-Lago. What a fascinating exercise, not just in the fact that they both did it, but the way that now it is... All of a sudden, it's a very big problem for the Republicans. <laughs> it wasn't a problem up until 10 days ago, but now it's a big issue to do that. It's amazing. And now the Democrats are going, oh, fuck. <laughs> Damn it. You know. Because now we're going to look like hypocrites. Right. A hundred percent. So I've, I'm fascinated by that part of it, the political element, the media, the left that was condemning. And by the way, justifiably so, I think. Yeah. But now if you're going to condemn that, then now yeah, you yeah. better condemn this. Yeah, right. So it's so... So I tune in to Meet the Press for the first time in a long time. It was a it was a Sunday morning tradition. I'd watch Meet the Press and I'd watch Fox News Sunday morning with Chris Wallace. Chris Wallace now is, I think he's on HD2. I don't know where he <laughs> is, but I know he's doing his show, but I feel badly for him. I mean, not that he's, you know, right, can't, can't pay the bills. but And so I find, and I found myself doing this. They have senators on, they have representatives on, and I just fast forward through it all after a couple minutes because it's predictable, to get to the panel mm-hmm. of the people who actually don't know but who are opining. Right. Because I don't believe the people who are actually in the arena. Mm. And so as I was fast-forwarding, it hit me that I'm going, here are the people who actually know, but I don't believe they're telling the truth, so I'm going to go and listen to the people who I know don't know, who will always have, I spoke with a source, you know, yeah. you know it, I spoke to a source. And that's who I'm going to listen to. So I try to catch myself to see where I'm, where I have my blind spots, mm-hmm. because I, I don't want to say everybody does it because I don't think everybody does do it. But I think what we have right now is I remember reading about this. I'm surprised we were taught about it in grade school. But something called selective perception, if it meets our prejudices, and I'm not talking about racial, uh, but our beliefs, then we will read it and then if it doesn't we're like oh well fuck this person confirmation bias bias, it's called now yeah Yeah. but it was called selective perception back then so uh that it's just to me and i and i feel like it's an important topic because i think it has played a role in what you see going on um and you know like like for example the possibility that covid was the byproduct of uh, a lab in china initially most people on the left shit on it why do you have the answer this is not trivia i realize i'm putting you on the spot there's nobody else in the homeloanexpert.com studios not that we know of um as far as we know spirits and the like i i wish I, donald trump being president donald trump was the one to say it yeah got it and, and but now it's discussed as a real possibility mm-hmm. but at the time because it came from him and that's a problem. It, it cuts, and, but it cuts both ways. This isn't like, hey, you know, this guy was great or this guy's bad. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that things are dismissed out of hand based on who says them and not the actual message. And so that's why I'm trying to, when you present these kinds of topics, that's why I get worked up because our industry is complicit with this downfall right. over the last whatever number of years. And that really bothers me. Yeah, it's bigger than just one issue. It all kind yeah. of traces back. It's like tree. It's a tree. You know, there's branches, but it all goes back to the root. Right. And then that's, you know, the person I respect a great deal, but now he gets shit on too because he 
you know, vouched for Josh Hawley, Jack Danforth, who I, I mean, I can't, I'm, I, I've had lunch with him however many times I've had lunch with him, every time I sit there. And you were there. We did a sound story with his wife, and we walked out of that house. You, you speak. You tell me. When, you know. It's truly one of the most incredible experiences of my life. I mean, and it's, I mean, she's just a, a nice Wonderful. woman in her 80s. Yeah. But the story she was telling, the matter-of-fact way, and you're going, the, you, I felt like it was like a brush with, if there was a royal family, yeah. a royalty in, in the United States, that was kind of, because you're hearing these stories, and when I will sit with him, and he and he talks, but he talks in a way that's so diplomatic, and then he goes, you know, and I wonder if I should do this with him, you know, even though I know I've said this, but it would be the right thing to do to reach out privately. I'm like, God, that's what you want in a leader. Mm-hmm. That's what you want in a leader. You want compromise. You want going, yeah, maybe I was wrong. It's like you talked about, or no, Gabe talked about it, but he talked about it on our show, so I'll tie it into Mizzou basketball, which I know is near and dear to your heart. He loved, and I loved, yeah. that Dennis Gates said after the a game A&M, that he yeah. should have called the timeout when Missouri got it close, that you are comfortable enough and confident enough to self-reflect, to acknowledge mistakes, and then to think maybe I should have done something differently. Well, that's not really what is right now. It's just double down and double down double and down. attack on yeah. social media, Downhills, and that's yeah. the game. Yeah. And so I'll sit with him, and I'll be like, God, this guy is exactly what you want in a leader. Mm-hmm. But he speaks slowly, and he thinks, and he— Speaks without he, hyperbole. Yeah, 100%. And so it's, it's not the way that the game is played right now, and that is what gives me concern— about the game. And so that's why I feel so strongly about it. I really, it's its one of the only topics, as we say down the hall in Balloon Party, there's really not much in sports that I'm going to get really worked up about. It's just, it's, it's tough for me, where I'm like going to scream and like call people out. If, right. if I'm doing it, I don't even know what could have happened, you know? I, I just, because there's, because I, I, what, what happens is you realize there's another side to it. Right. And unless you're dealing with true evil, and we've dealt with it. I'm not saying, but it's just we haven't necessarily dealt with it like as a guy, you know, throwing a baseball or, sure, or sure. you know, shooting a puck. It's it, that how can I sit there and like call these people's characters out and then put my head on the pillow and go, okay, I did good work today, right? Because I'd be lying to people, exactly. And that's that's the thing. But 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 that is our business, and those who are comfortable lying are being rewarded with lots of money. If they have a certain look, if they're doing television, or if they have a certain way to deliver it. And I don't know what the solution to it is. And that's why a simple question such as, what do you think of sideline reporters, <laughs> leads to all of this, even though you asked me it uh, two hours ago on... Uh, yeah, and if I would have left, Wimper. if there was no breaks either, we would still... Oh, would still be going? <laughs> and I saw the audience was like, holy shit, I didn't know you were like capable of this <laughs> i'm going you have no idea yeah, we'll but i got to like 12 minute segments so i got to kind of like jackson has to like remind me that hey we're 40 minutes late for a break and we have three more to go and we have eight minutes left in the show so it does get me it does get me going but it gets me going because i feel like i i identify it as the number one symptom hmm. and that is why it gets me going i haven't even read an email and i've got a um yeah, I, well, I guess we got a Zoom call, and I was going to do it from home, but that's in 17 minutes. So. <laughs> uh, Jackson, uh, let's tell the people about the Home Loan Expert. Ryan Kelly is online at thehomeloanexpert.com. 
and I have gotten uh, pre-approved with him. I have refinanced with him. I would love for you to do the same thing, and I think you'll be very happy if you do. His name is Ryan Kelly, and he's online at thehomeloanexpert.com. Once you get your home, get it insured with James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency, 314-961-4800, or go online at carltoninsurance.net. He is my insurance agent. If you make the switch, they do all the paperwork for you. It's James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency, 314-961-4800, go online at carltoninsurance.net. Uh, Jackson, could you tell the people about Mark Hanna? Absolutely. The great communicator is what I call him. Yeah, I like them. Some people think to Ronald Reagan with that. I think of Mark Hanna. And I think about him in that way because, you know, so often a lot of people aren't really great with finances. They might, you know, they know how much money they make. They know what their savings are for, like, work. But they don't necessarily know all the ins and outs. And that's where Mark Hanna comes in to help you. He's so good at communicating what your plan means. A lot of people can just say, here's this plan, you know, this is what you should do. But he explains it to you so you understand where your money's going, how it's going to work for you, the benefits of doing this plan over that plan. And I think that's so important because it gives you some, essentially some financial literacy. And that is such a huge thing on top of Mark, just being an incredible human being who I love speaking to. So if you don't have anybody, run, don't walk and start working with Mark Hanna. I'm serious, man. Work with Mark Hanna, get somebody. And Mark Hanna, in my opinion, is the one to go with. one four eight eight nine zero five zero three or go online at evergreenstl.com. See all this all started. How did this start? You talking about your hair? Yep. That's yep. it. So I just need a little just, little so, yeah, just, just light that lighter and then who knows where we're going. Yeah. What else you got going on? Uh I actually thank you for that, because I actually have I have realized and what maybe this I'm anxious to hear this. Maybe this is it's not gonna be as titillating as you think. Um I've realized I'm so fucking into mysteries. Mystery movies, TV shows, books. I am hip deep. I've got a great mystery novel going right now. I've seen like all these mystery movies. I'm so into it, and the payoff is great. So if any listeners out there have a good mystery novel to suggest, slide my DMs or email me because I would love. I, I'm almost done with this one mystery novel. And I want to get on to the next one. Oh, okay. I love mysteries. Wow. I didn't realize about this, but when they well, when like it, Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys, a little more sophisticated. Agatha Christie, uh, the right. the Classics. queen of it. Yeah, and then uh, that new Angela Lansbury. Angela Lansbury, and of course uh, the Glass Onion movie, which is a Knives Out sequel, got me back Who's into it. Who's the last it. in that? Are we talking about? Uh, the first one was Anna Diarmas. Wow. She is strong. I mean. Yeah, it's as good as it gets. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you're looking for in my lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. She's, Andy. she's in the category. She's in the she's in the conversation. She's incredible. Um, but both those movies and then like I just started reading this mystery novel. And I just when a payoff of a good mystery, like a good setup and it finishes with a great payoff, it is just literary orgasm, I would describe it wow. as literary you're, you're, you're coming. <laughs> when a good payoff happens, man, I really love it. So uh, if any listeners have a good mystery novel, a little more sophisticated, it doesn't have to be you know, written in the 20s like some Agatha Christie stuff is, but like a good mystery, I would love to get a new book. So All right. That's, I, you know, it's not titillating. Like the, well, no, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I'm, I'm usually word vomiting all over this thing. Yeah. So I'm like, I, you know, before I, if I, you know, somebody asks, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a good email, but it's a long email about death following up on last week's podcast. Sure, sure. And then I got uh, one here. The next one that I had set aside is winter still coming. It's a good conversation. I can't wrap it up in time for our Zoom, though. 13 minutes. No way in the world. That's a six-parter. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, let's let's see what Jackson's got going on. Yeah, it's mysteries, man. I just, I, there's this, I'm reading this one. It's in the Catskills Mountains uh, Hotel. 
Uh, there's 12 people in the hotel, mostly so like couples. This is like you, except you and your buddies are going to the right. Smoky Mountains. And there, there's females in this book. Um, <laughs> and then uh, an ice storm hits, and one of the guests dies. Oh. And it looks like an accident, but someone thinks it's a it's, So it's do you murder. read these? You watch these? Oh, you audio? Read audible? Straight you read. read. Wow. It's paperback, yeah. baby. Before bed every night, and it scares the shit out of me. So. Really? <laughs> there's a killer. In the, there might be a killer in the hotel, and the power's I out. I have found that, that one of, I think I've told you this. I know I was on Wellington's podcast. Right. Uh, he just started, by the way, the great Michael Wellington. And uh, and he was asking me what I do for mental health. And I, I'm like, I, I really don't do anything. I'm a fucking mess, obviously. Subconsciously, I think you probably do. Do I? Well, you know, like stuff yeah, I, that you I like do. to do. I do. Yeah, I, I have I have routines. Like working out, yes, golf. Yes, I do. I, I Actually, now that you're mentioning it, I absolutely do. But what I have found, one of the things you will hear if slash when you get married is to not go to bed angry. Right, right, right. I don't know, by the way, if I necessarily agree with that because sometimes if you're like, well, if we can't go to bed, then we got to try to figure this out tonight. And if somebody or both parties are really mad, you just can't. You can't yeah. get it done. And it's, Sometimes it's good to sleep on. Yeah, like I, I really, and it just. So anyway, along those lines, going to bed in a good state of mind, and so therefore, once I start to shut it down, usually around nine fifteen, nine thirty, since we get up when we do. Yeah. Um, I begin just watching Curb Your Enthusiasm, and it's mindless, yep. but it's going to put me in a good place. Yep. It's I, I've already watched them all, so it's not like I'm like, oh, I can't, I got to keep watching. <laughs> right, you can whenever stop I'm just, I can stop it. It doesn't yeah. matter, and I go to bed in a good place. Absolutely. And I'm, t- it's, I've accidentally discovered this, but I am telling you, it really, truly works because you're not going to bed thinking about whatever could be on your mind that could keep you up mm-hmm. or wake you up in the middle of the night. Right. So I've accidentally stumbled upon this, and it's it's very basic. It's very easy. And sure. I think at this point in 2023, anybody can do it if you have an HBO Max subscri- subscription. Uh, and, um, yeah, from a mental health standpoint, when Wellington asked me, I go, yeah, you're right. I do do something, and that's that's what I do. And he texts me, like, he goes, God, I love that. That's really a, a good idea. And I go, coming from somebody like you who right. was in the mental health thing, I appreciate it. Because yeah. it was an accident. Right, because you can't go to bed, you know, with 8,000. Like, you can't oh. send a work email and then just no, hop into bed. I can't. No. Anna Marie and I sometimes will get going on something at 9 o'clock, which I know is early. Um, but, you know, for us, and, and at that point, she's been taking care of, you know, two kids right. all day. And I've been up since at least 5. Uh it's not the time to do it. You just kind of recognize it. Mm-hmm. And then you also, and this is one other thing that comes with, with just, it, it, I don't know, if you, that's why I love the fact that I feel like you have a lot of these things that Doug and I didn't figure out until our 40s, and you get them in your 20s. It's like you're this bot I'm creating, you know, we're creating, that you get this information because it's so helpful, and then it just makes you so dangerous. Right. Um, is to recognize if you're having like a bad day that, it's probably just a bad day for whatever reason. You could have woken up at the wrong time, woken up in the middle of REM sleep, which fucks up the electro signals in your brain. Mm-hmm. You don't necessarily feel great that day. Uh, something may have happened at work that set you off or somebody kept hammering you on something, whatever the case might be. A thousand different things. And then compartmentalize it to that day. Yeah. Now, if you're still feeling that way in 24 hours, 48 hours, then maybe there's a different set of circumstances. And that's another thing. So this past Monday... You know, we had the day off, TMA did, and we had the option, and if we didn't want to take it, it could have been what they call a floating holiday. Right, right. And then we have it. We take that day off, 
and then I just don't do jack shit with it, and then I'm bothered all day long. Uh, I know what you're talking about. You know what I mean? 100%. And it's got this weather that we're looking out at right now, and it's cloudy and rainy and cold, and you know, not that it's like, oh, that happened on January 16th? Tell me more. <laughs> but it, it's like, why the fuck? I just should have just gone into work. I yeah. would have just rather have gone into work. And we talked about it as a show. Um, you know, and, and that, and I'm just like, okay, I'm in a bad place today. So Anna Marie you know, having been around me now for 15 years, recognize it. And I also am able to say to her, I said, it's got nothing to do with you, nothing to do with the boys. I said, I'm just in a bad place today. And I know it. I said, now, if I'm in a bad place tomorrow, then that's a different set of circumstances. But I just recognize it is what it is. And you realize that stuff. Whereas at a younger age, or maybe there are people who are older than me listening to this and going, no, I'm never thought of it that way that you're able to compartmentalize because so much of this stuff just comes from living and then going oh okay you know it's like a a golf shot or Mm -hmm. hitting a baseball or shooting a jump shot you recognize the things that work and you recognize the things that don't work and then you don't repeat the things that don't work and then you try to repeat the things that do work and it's the same way with whether we call it mental health or just living and trying to live happily as possible like people ask about you know, the biggest difference between here and where we were before at KFNS, and there there are a bunch of them, but so much of it is stuff that we don't deal with now that we did deal with then that had an impact on my mental health, probably more so than anybody else, because I tried to shield you guys from it, and I know you were only around it for a few months. Right, right. um, Just so you wouldn't have to deal with it, not because I'm a hero, but because there was nothing that anybody could really do. So why bother with it if it was going to come to a point where you would have to deal with it then i would certainly tell you um and so a big thing that i've learned is addition by subtraction there is a huge value in addition by subtraction things that won't necessarily show up in your tax return or a wealth report when you're sitting with mark Hanna, mm-hmm. but that have huge value yeah. Huge value. I love that. Addition by subtraction. Oh, my God. It's, so it's subtracting negative people from your life uh, or people you just don't want to work with. Right. You or know? Ta- like, like simple stuff that like you know like that you don't want to deal with and then you just oh, eventually get I can't rid of tell you. I mean, it's it's just one of those things. And you don't think about it until you would get back in that situation. Yeah. But what it was, you know, you know, in our case, it was text messages and phone calls about things that really weren't, you know, Texts or phone call worthy. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> to be honest here. I mean, that was the case. Yeah, and not and kind of, you know, I don't know. If I'm I hear what you describe saying. it, but I'm trying to communicate to the audience just things that, you know, uh, like we all know, but we have to act like we don't know just for the sake of the situation, and and also it, it just it's it and it was it was a it was a, it was it wasn't daily, but it was every other daily ish. Sure. And I don't think that's happened one time. Yeah, I know. God, how lovely is that? And you just don't... You don't even think about it. You don't even think about it. Eventually. I think probably like the first two two or three months we were here, we thought about it like, man, that's great. But it eventually just becomes... Yeah, I feel for it. And now I think there's an appreciation for the way we handle ourselves here, not because we're so great, but because we appreciate it so much here that... I think they appreciate that we appreciate it so much here. It goes back to your your bad day thing. Like, 
you have to kind of have bad days to recognize when one's a good day. Right. You can't have one without the other. You can't that's have a rainbow true. without that's rain. The cost of, that's, the, that's the cost of it. And yeah. so I, I think about that stuff. And so that's why last week when we played the hits, what were the hits? Dying, Fan Page, Age. and what was the third one? Uh, oh, Martin coming Ma- Martin, in. Was yeah, that yeah. like PTSD for me? Right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, so... Yeah, I, I want I want to in the moment convey the gratitude for this experience, just because I operate on the premise that it won't last, which sucks because that's how I operate. Yeah, I there's no way in the world, for example, Doug Vaughn is thinking that way, but that's not because he's an optimist. It's just because that's the way that he is. He does. I don't think he really thinks about it at all. I don't think he thought about the and he also wasn't necessarily in the trenches like I was, and good for him. But uh, he just he he that's just not the way. Right, you were conditioned like that because of the circumstances. You right, but I also think it's my my DNA, for lack of a better right. term. It's probably a mixture, but it's a it's a mixture. It's nurturing. Yeah, and so I sit there and I talk. I'll talk about it on this podcast often. I'm like, I'm so envious of Doug's right um, approach. Right. You know, but then I said that to him one time on the radio, and then what was his response? Do you remember what his response? I probably left some things out. There. Right, that that because I was so Plus casual fair, about yeah. things, I I left some things mm-hmm. out there. So it's one of those the grass is always greener, greener yeah, things. Yeah. But sometimes the you realize that the grass where you are is greener, and yeah. you're grateful for it. That and being able to identify that is in so the moment, key. I think, is so helpful. Yeah. It's it's it, it really it's almost like a meditation of some form, even though it's not intended to be. But you hear people saying, acknowledge and have have gratitude for it. So if people are asking from the standpoint of the mental health things, the curb your enthusiasm, whatever show, and I'm yeah. not to, like you may, you may like The Wire or Game of Thrones. I don't think that that necessarily would fall into the category of Mindless. a show that makes you laugh right. that you've watched that you can kind of. Something that's like a part, like brings back memory, like Seinfeld for me. Right, brings me to perfect, my family. Yes. Like the all Anna Marie tells me the office, the office would be great. that that Parks and Rec, all that sitcom kind of stuff. That or it's just kind of mindless, but you're gonna laugh. You like it. It's familiar, and you can kind of wind down. Yeah. So it's almost in a meditation, even though it's not a meditation. I have found that to be so helpful and give me a better night's sleep. And I immediately go into deep sleep, courtesy of my whoop. I can see it. And uh, so I'm looking good. And then addition by subtraction. God Almighty, it might not it might not show up if you're doing a pros and cons list and you're going, okay, I'm going to make X here and I'm going to make Y here. But if Y is less than X, but Y comes with some things that are intangibles, give give a real look at Y. Yeah. Um, because it's it's not always about dollars. There's a quality of life factor in there. All right, Jackson. This all comes from you looking at yourself and seeing male pattern baldness. What a spark. Yeah, what a spark. Yeah. That's all we need is a spark here. Uh, thank you to Seth Goldcamp and Design Air Heating and Cooling. When it is cold outside and you have a furnace issue, make sure you go to designairservice.com and work with the best. I'm a client, Doug Vaughn. If TMA is a client, it is Design Air Heating and Cooling online at designairservice.com. And the great Jamie Burkhardt, Clayton Patterson, and Peter Munganest at Munganest, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota. You work with them. Go shopping at stlouisacura.com or altontoyota.com. I just got a car from them a couple weeks ago. And I am so happy with it. And they've given out a secret phone number, 314-252-0029. Call or text it, and you're talking directly to Jamie, Clayton, or Peter Munganast. All right, time for us to shut it down. For Action Jackson, I'm Tim McKernan. This has been QFTA from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios.